This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to live their best life and become location independent. This week, I speak with Caitlin Colley, who is the editor-at-large at Bustle Digital Group. Caitlin has always been a risk taker, leaving New York City at the age of 19 to live in France and coming back a few years later to help create Elite Daily. Since helping to start Elite Daily, Caitlin has gone on to become the editor-at-large for Bustle Digital Group, where she manages Elite Daily, Bustle, and Romper. Although Caitlin is not location independent, she does hire many talented writers who work from wherever and are passionate about travel. She and her team have recently launched Out of Here, a travel guide for women that will get you to explore the world in unique ways. On this episode, Caitlin shares how choosing passion over paycheck is crucial to your success and why you should not go into debt just to get a college education. Caitlin has created an incredible career for herself that allows her to combine her passions as a writer and storyteller. She is truly inspiring and has incredible tips to those of you who are interested in getting featured in Buzzle Digital Group. It was so much fun to speak with her here in New York City at Black Slate Tea, so I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I do. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining me here today at Black Slate, for taking the time off to talk to me about your incredible story and what you have been up to. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about all things travel. Caitlin is incredible. She is the editor-at-large at Bustle Media, and she has been in charge of Elite Daily before, and now she's gone on to Bustle, and you have done so much already at, at such a young age why do you live an offbeat life firstly thank you for saying I'm young that's fantastic I think I've always lived a little bit of an offbeat life I don't think the same things when I was younger satisfied me the same way it might have satisfied other people I've always been quite restless um, and I had this feeling in my legs that I wanted to do something so at the age of 19 I picked up from my New York City home and I moved to Paris for a few years without speaking the language, which was fantastic. I did end up learning it through bars, alcohol, and you know, the usual, the usual fun stuff. And after that, I actually moved to Dublin because I did not want to come home. And so after four years abroad, I settled back into New York City to start Elite Daily. Um, and I think even the purpose of starting that publication was that there wasn't really anything in the existing market that had everything that a young person would want from a publication, lifestyle tips as well as news, entertainment, and things that actually mattered to the young people who were reading it. Um, and so I think we kind of tried to bring that offbeat little style to the publication. That's why so many of the, the things that thrive on Elite Daily are travel oriented or, you know, getting getting somewhere quiet and, and enjoying yourself and looking deep inside yourself and I think that that voice is also now transcended over to Bustle who are another generation of wanderlusty young women who are looking for something 
a little bit different. And I think it's often said and repeated that millennials aren't looking for products. They aren't looking for material things. They're looking for experiences. And now with the state of travel being what it is, when we have all of these amazing sites to cross-reference, all of these different ways to stay at places versus hotels versus Airbnbs versus couch surfing, travel has never been more democratized than it is right now. It's so accessible to so many different people. And of course, it's always a bit of a privilege, but now it's a little bit less privileged. And it can, and it's there for the everyday person. And so what we really want to hit on is I've been very privileged and lucky in my own life to live an offbeat life. But we want to make that accessible to young people across the board so that they themselves can also live offbeat lives. And any way we can do that, and any way we can make it easier and safer and more fun, that's why we're here. Your story is so incredible, Caitlin. So she and I were talking before this interview, and I was so curious about her life because you are really young when you created Elite Daily. I mean, my mind is boggled right now and Caitlin was actually saying how she doesn't mind turning 30 and I said it's because you've already accomplished so much and for you to do this and to take that step at 19 to leave this country and go off to somewhere else and not knowing what on earth is going to happen and then to come back and then start this media company that is now incredibly popular and then to go off to bustle what were your first steps like? I mean, we always look at people like you who are extremely accomplished and we only see the end. Obviously, this is not your end, but we see the success, but we don't see the grind that you had to go through to get to this point. So what was that first steps like when you guys were just thinking about this concept? Well, I mean, the journey is the destination, right? The thought process around when Elite Daily was kind of just bubbling in, in, in our minds was, was that there wasn't a place for for young for young women for young people to find advice that applied to them like you're saying where we always see the final stage but never the process that gets you there and i think that whole we're in this together kind of conversational tone is really what put Ali Daly on the map because it felt not patronizing but rather like we were really genuinely trying to engage in a conversation so when that idea was percolating for us it was mostly because we were really tired of reading a lot of websites that were just black type on white pages that you would scroll and scroll and scroll and you just feel like this isn't for me this was never for me they don't really get what I'm talking about or what I'm facing. We're a generation, and I'm putting myself in a generation, but there are people older than me and younger than me. But we kind of straddle, at least I do, straddle this this technology barrier where we had this huge explosion of technology right when we were growing up. So we had all this access to internet, to information, and the way that jobs have been formed and the entrepreneurial spirit of our generation is so different than that of our parents' because they were just taught so much more of a cookie-cutter version of what the American dream was where you get a job you work as hard as you can and then hopefully you, you retire at 65 and you have 65 beautiful children to go along with every year of your life lived you know and I think when I first got my job on the internet my mom was like no that's not a real thing Caitlin if it doesn't get printed it's not real and I'm like then that's the kind of the whole division that happens between us and so that idea or that mind frame was what helped us produce it because we were like young people are, are desperate for a voice for somebody to understand them and to actually get where they're coming from and give them solid advice that makes sense for them. This whole idea that we should be sticking to what we know or following the exact path that our parents have put in front of us 
is not the case anymore. And the people and the people who are going to tell us that are not our parents because they want us to be doctors and lawyers and you know and married at 25. Is it just me? Is that just me? No. Okay. <laughs> so I think that the whole thinking behind it was let's create a place or safe space for millennials. It was also not safe in some places, but one that really confronts the actual goings on of a millennial's life, which really didn't exist elsewhere. And now we see a lot more sites have cropped up to kind of do the same thing, and I think it's fantastic. But now it's just a matter of recognizing that we did it first, EliteDaily.com. Just kidding. <laughs> and I'm also Bustle.com did a great job as well. <laughs> Caitlin is in charge of all of this, but you were talking about how our parents, your parents, and your grandparents were immigrants, and my parents are immigrants. And I think in the older generation, not so old, it's the mindset that you really have to hustle and you have to do the grind and you have to stick to one thing and you can't veer off to something that's out of the norm or maybe in the beginning you can't make money yet because a lot of people back then you know in the immigrant mentality or just in the older generation they didn't have that opportunity that we have now so that kind of blows their mind when we have all of these things that we're doing that is so out of the norm which right now for all of us it's not really because now it's becoming the norm which I'm so excited about because 20 years ago none of this would have existed so I feel so lucky to even be living in the time that we're living at because of so many things that's accessible for us and you definitely are one of the frontier women who are making that accessible to so many of us so great job Caitlin <laughs> thank you <laughs> I know you have a lot of things that you pursue as well besides just working. I know you work a lot. How do you balance your passion and also being able to work this job that you have? So I think I'm quite lucky in that my job is largely my passion. Um, and I do work a lot. And it's hard to kind of crystallize an understanding of hobbies outside of work. But I think because I chose a profession that was so aligned with what I wanted to do and so very much in not a burden. And I think that's like to your point earlier about parents wanting to, us to do that grind and kind of get into a low-level job that will eventually increase to a high-level job was that we're pursuing our passion over paychecks. We're getting into jobs that allow us to not hate our lives every morning. I mean, I do absolutely have hobbies outside of work, but they tend to be tangential. And my friends are now largely friends I've met in work, and it's become this kind of this weird branch off. And the thing is, I don't mind it that much because one of my passions, one of my biggest hobbies is writing, and it's what I get to do every day. At, I love editing and then that's also what I do so when I go home I write and edit more and I'm like why am I still doing my job outside of my job but I'm still enjoying myself for sure there's all about the work-life balance but also recognizing that you can take on more than you think you can as long as you're not killing yourself over it because if you really truly enjoy what you're doing sometimes spending a 15-hour day at work isn't the end of the world and I, when I say that to my parents are like that's horrible you should you know get far more compensation for that and it's just like I don't mind every single thing that I do at work, I can see its effects the next morning on the site, you know? And so having that ability to recognize or, or see the very work I'm putting in, which is not the case for a lot of people who work in jobs that are very assembly line, where they put a cap on something and it moves on and eventually it's assembled into something bigger. Like I get to have a, a hold and an actual like ownership over my work and it makes me feel so edified in a different way. So yes, I do stuff outside of work, mostly sleeping and eating, which are also fantastic. Fantastic. It does really help that my job 
is exactly what I want to be doing every day. I love hearing that from people because that's what we all want, right? That's why I wanted to start this podcast is because I wanted to highlight people who are exactly doing what you're doing, Caitlin. And it's so interesting that once you take that step to actually do what you want to do, every day is incredible. You are excited to get out of bed. And then also the friends, you're talking about friendships. And this is one of the things that I really love is that right now, especially with social media, we got so many people that we can collaborate with, we can talk to who get us, who get our kind of craziness that before it wouldn't have been possible. We would have been all by ourselves alone or it would have been years from now that I would have met you or someone like you. So it's such an interesting thing to do and for you to actually love what you do is amazing and it definitely shows that's why it grew to how big it is right now because of the passion that was put into this project and where you are now and who knows what's going to happen another five years from now. Certainly not me. Absolutely not me. A five-year plan? No, no, thank you. Your day must look, I have no idea actually what your day must look like. Can you run us through what your average day looks like? Sure. As you said, an average day isn't necessarily something that I have. For now, the majority of what my job is, is to, over three different brands, Lead Daily, Bustle, and Romper, we put out different issues month to month. These are kind of like the old school magazine covers where you have a cover, you have a cover star and you have feature wells that go into it. So what we're doing a lot of is recruiting big name celebs our audience actually cares about and then writing features that are all kind of predicated around one theme or issue, but that apply to the audiences involved. So w one of the reasons I'm talking to you was Elite Daily last month put out an out of your issue um, that was dedicated to millennial women traveling across the globe, six continents, 45 different countries. And it was basically just a way to give young women a full-on guide from everything from what they should pack to souvenirs they should bring back to where to take the best Instagram to get the most likes, as well as practical information like should you bring cash cards are there places where you might not feel safe at night if you're traveling alone do you have any travel hacks there so it kind of provided a start to finish everything you need to know about traveling for a young woman that didn't really exist in one whole place which is a long way of saying about my day-to-day -day, that we basically figure out and identify themes that work across content across all brands brainstorm ideas and themes around them and then build these larger content packages um, about anything and everything that appeals to the young, the young woman reader, and in the Romper's case, it's for young, young millennial mothers. In Bustle's case, it's for you know, a young woman in their late twenties who are just kind of figuring out how they part they play in the world. And for Elite Daily, it's young women fresh out of or inside of college trying to figure out who they are and how to put on eyeliner. You know, which is I'm still figuring out every day. We're kind of just figuring out the the span or breadth of millennial women, and then figuring out how we can give them the content that they actually care about and need. So day to day, it could be writing, editing, interviewing, traveling, just talking to staff. And it, it, it's kind of like, I get in and I go home around relatively the same time every day, but in between, there's absolutely nothing to find, which is probably what keeps me interested. Because if I did have a very strict routine, it would slowly dull me into, I don't know, a mindless drone or whatever. And I'm very, as I mentioned earlier, I'm very restless. So it's nice to have a job that keeps me on my toes 
shows. You are super creative, and I think that's why I always find with people who are extremely creative, they don't like to do the same thing over and over again. I think that's why most of us do what we do is because we don't want to do that same thing every day, and that's why a lot of travelers like change and they like to evolve all the time. And what you do is so much, but because it's what you are passionate about, and you also cover a lot of different range of ages, even in women, and what we all need in different times in our life. So it is really interesting that you are able to handle all of these things. So, girl, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you do it throughout your whole journey. It's been what ten years since you were nineteen, and then now you're here as an editor at large. What has been the biggest setback that you have ever encountered, and how did you handle it? So I think my largest setback, and this is totally self-imposed, was when I went to undergraduate school. I decided to take out loans for a three years of college, which then left me ninety-five thousand dollars in debt. Again, fully fully understand that it was mine. I, I do have my own problems with loan companies and how they handle and treat different loans, but that's the story for another day. Because of that, I was forced to start making payments and very high payments very early after I graduated from college. And I think ideally in my in my head, I would have loved to have frolicked around for six more years, not really settling down because I never really wanted to settle down. But understanding that sometimes you do have to in order to start paying your, your loans off. So I think I mean like I'm slowly paying them off. They're not done by any stretch of the imagination, but I definitely have a far more consistent paycheck job and things that actually allow me to pay it off that now give me the space and time to travel, which、uh, was my biggest fear after I felt quite rooted in, back in New York was that I would never be able to pick up and just drop everything and leave again. And now that I've Maintained a job, or now that I've gotten a job that really suits my scheduling and suits my desire to just get on a plane whenever I'd like, I figured out that happy medium. But it was not an easy medium to find, especially because the first four years of Elite Daily, I didn't take a vacation day because how could you? You're a staff of 20, producing 150 articles a day, editing them all, and I mean somehow doing the job of four other people. Everyone's kind of handling way too many hats on every, you know, on every single、uh, every single worker. So figuring out what I wanted from a job, even though I had to get a job, and making that actually happen. I mean, like it was, it was very hard, and it was a huge setback to have those loans. And it, I don't regret my education. I do regret not being smarter about my financials, my education, which would be my advice to anybody thinking about college now. I think college is very important. I think it was incredibly, I mean, elucidating to me, and it's the reason I have the jobs I have now. But I think if you're honest with yourself about what you want from your career early on, if you say like, what I really want to do is travel, it might not happen right away. But you could figure out a way to position yourself in work to make that job happen. Because when I was working 80 hours a week, I wasn't thinking I'll I'll be able to travel for the rest of my life. I was thinking this is this is it. This is who I am now. I'm 24 and I haven't seen the sun in days, you know. And、uh, but now knowing what I wanted to do, incorporating that into the job, and figuring out how to make those two compatible. Was difficult but achievable, and now I get to do it every day. So setbacks, sure, but you know, I came back and I won, right? <laughs> It's those setbacks that usually allow you to learn so many things. I mean, obviously, you don't want it to cost that much. Education is really important, and I think that's been a debate, right? Especially for now, the millennials and how we are trying to create income. And sometimes you don't really need education in certain parts. So it's kind of a debate whether is 
it even worth it with certain types of jobs if you really need it? I think it's quite interesting because I'm of the mind that college is useful for everyone, but I understand that $250,000 worth of debt is not useful for everyone. And I think that the fact that college isn't affordable is a shame. And especially as I had I had done my master's in Dublin at an Irish school, and I don't have any student loans for a master's degree versus the $100,000 I owed for my undergrad. And I think about why we think that education should be a privilege and not accessible to everyone is a shame. And I agree with you that right now, the conversation about whether or not college is worth it is an important one because it it should be, but at the current price, it's not. And so I would love for everyone to have the opportunity to get a college education, but if it makes more sense for you to attend a trade school or to specialize or to actually follow what you love or start a business when you're 17, because right now the world isn't for you, it's against you. And until we are old enough to change it, which we are very much doing, it's gonna, it's not gonna be in your favor. So you have to make it, you have to make it or work it to be in your favor. And I think that's what people are doing now. The Generation Z scares the hell out of me. They're like inventing things at 12. They already have like LLCs by 14. You know, what was I doing at 14? I don't know. Like, like whispering about boys in the back of my class and like, I don't know, having braces. And these kids, I mean, I can't even, I mean like every generation now, especially as they were born into the technology boom, where they believe books were Kindles and Kindles were books. And they speak computer fluently the way that I, we might speak French, you know, and it's they're terrifying but it's also so exciting because this new generation this new dawn of people I think they're smarter I think they're woker I think that they're more socially inclined and I think that we're going to change the world we just have to wait for the, those old fogies to move out of the way just kidding mom I love you <laughs> it's true sometimes I don't know how they learn these things it's incredible what's coming out of the younger generation younger than us and what the possibilities are in the future oh my gosh it's it's so exciting and also terrifying at the same time. You have spoken to a lot of people during your career and you've traveled to so many places and met so many people. What has been the worst advice that you have ever received? Ooh, I've gotten some bad advice a lot over the years. I always think that it's something around the devil you know is uh, safer than the devil you don't or whatever iteration of that it is. We're always taught, especially as young women, to play it safe. In certain situations, playing it safe might be the right choice, but just because you're not familiar with something, just because it's not something you grew up with, doesn't mean you shouldn't explore it or, or learn it or make it yours. And I think I was told a lot of times before, especially before I left the country at the age of 19, that like that's not it's not smart it's not it's not safe it's not what you're supposed to be doing and I think being told what I was supposed to be doing is what bothered me the most as a young person and even now today although I have to do that a lot more at a job right I think being told that you should settle or stay where you are play it safe and I've heard that in a million different ways from a million different people and I've never listened to it once and it's gotten me this far and I say the same for everybody else playing it safe isn't gonna get you get your name in the history annals it's not gonna make you feel like a fulfilled person if you always think what if and my rule my goal everything in life has never ever ever been to wonder what if because I want to do everything I've ever wondered what if about Caitlin is giving me goosebumps right now <laughs>
you are so incredible. I love those words, Caitlin, because so many people let fear stop them from so many things that they can be capable of, but because of what other people say, of their own internal fear of maybe seeing someone not succeed, but they are different than you. They're not you. You don't know what you're capable of until you actually try it. And if you listen to all of those naysayers and people telling you that you shouldn't do it and just settle, you wouldn't be where you are right now. I mean, it's also a matter of what's the worst that can happen, which is a dangerous question to ask in a lot of ways. But if, let's say, I moved to Paris when I was 19 and I hated it, what if I just came home four months later and it was an experience and one I learned a lot about? I think the fear of making mistakes is so is so big for a lot of young people because they think there's no room for it. And, and the thing about it is that mistakes are the most important thing to make, to do in the entire world because you can be told a million things but you won't learn it until you've experienced it yourself and those experiences whether they're good or they're bad they bring you to the person you are now and I can say like Oscar Wilde says what experience is the name we give our past mistakes and I think that's I mean like I talk about we talk about how millennials are obsessed with experience but that includes good bad and the ugly and so like you think about like what are the in the past two years you've been on a tinder date what are the most fun what are the ones that you're talking about the, the good ones or the bad ones because the bad ones are the best stories that my friends tell and the ones I tell too and you know what like at the end of it when we're thinking we're looking back on our lives we're all wrinkled and sighing by a fireplace we're going to talk about these these stories the ones that brought us to where we are and those are the ones that stick out so don't be afraid to make mistakes I mean unless they're mortal like yeah keep keep it cool <laughs> but like really don't question whether or not you're capable of doing something if you in your heart of hearts know you are because there are a lot of people who will tell you you can't do something and you are the only person who should be able to do that whatever we're gonna remember later on it's the stuff that's made us stronger and talking about tinder dates <laughs> what is it like dating are you with someone right now are you still dating or I do have a boyfriend, but more hilariously, uh, we have been together on and off for five years because he lives in Ireland, or he lived in Ireland, so I have been in a long-distance relationship traveling back and forth between Ireland four or five times a year, um, which is a lot of fun, but also, you know, you know, not that fun, but some, sometimes kind of fun because it means you have a part-time boyfriend, and you have the honeymoon period every time he's over, and then you get to work for the rest of it, which is maybe just me, but uh, he recently, uh, was it three, four months ago, moved to New York. So we are finally living in the same country for the first time since we've ever started dating. <laughs> Caitlin, that's amazing. Congrats. So now what is that like? <laughs> it's like, it's so funny when you're in a relationship and you're not together a lot and then you are together a lot. That's so different. Is that going well for you? Well, I'm happy to say yes, because if it were not, this would be really awkward. He would listen to it later and be like, what? No, but it is going fantastically. And I think it's because there's this element where we don't take it for granted. And I think five years into a relationship, you imagine that like seeing each other every day is something you're used to. And now every day he's there, I wake up and I go, wow, you're not, or you're not, you know, packing a bag or getting in a taxi and going away, which I think really did help us in a lot, like really just grow to appreciate what we did have. And now makes me feel grateful for all I do have. And it's not going away, at least knock on wood for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think that having had that separation has allowed us to feel closer in a lot of ways just because living together could be really annoying but I'm not as annoyed at him for leaving the toothpaste you know cap off because I'm like you know what at least you're here using toothpaste
toothpaste. Thank you for brushing your teeth, you know? <laughs> and it's also really interesting how even your dating life has something to do with travel. Yeah, no, uh, actually, I think my mother has always said that the reason I was in the relationship was that it was long distance and it gave me an excuse to travel. And I think I happen, I also happen to have Irish citizenship, so I do have a passport over there, so I'm not using him. That's what I can say. Or he could be using me. Um, so I was able to travel there freely, which is why I was also able to get Irish education. And I met him there when I was doing my master's. And it's an excuse to travel, but it's also, we didn't always meet in Ireland. We went, you know, we met one time in Iceland, we met one time in Spain, and we kind of flew to different places and explored and traveled together. And it's something that we've now shared, and it's a basis of our relationship is travel. So every time we're somewhere new, we travel together as well. So like, even now he's in the States, we're going to do road trips. We're going to, yeah, we're going to figure out, I've never been to the Grand Canyon. You know, it's, it's so funny because I've explored so much of the world, but so little of, of the U.S. Coastal cities mostly, but I haven't really done those square states in the middle and they look pretty beautiful like I'm I'm like all about Montana right now so I'm trying to get to Montana Montana that's random Google image Montana and you won't think it's random anymore I swear it's the most beautiful place I've ever seen so now I'm going to Google it and I also like to hike so I totally agree with you. I've never been to Arizona either and that's where all of the hiking spots are so I don't know what's wrong with me but like you I hike to all of these different places all over the world and I'm here in the United States and I'm not even exploring it so if you're a listener and you haven't explored the U.S., join Caitlin and I because we're going to start doing it. So, <laughs> Can you share one productivity tip that has really worked for you because you are doing so much. How do you keep up with it and how do you stay productive? I think sometimes the most important thing for me is to embrace a little procrastination. I think it's really easy to get down or guilty about not doing all of your work immediately. But for me, taking a 10-15 minute break to go on Reddit to go on Facebook, to go on Twitter and explore and, and kind of get my brain, give my brain a little bit of break means when I come back to it, it's fresh eyes. I think that, uh, a lot of us believe that we have to stick to something and like hold on there and not stop working until our eyes bleed, which I've been guilty of plenty of times. But even if it's a matter of standing up, getting up, walking around a little bit, because my butt always hurts after a long day of work anyway, and just giving yourself a little brain break. I like to go and have little conversations with the people around me because it, it, it provides a little... You're thinking about the next thing you're going to say in conversation, not the next thing you have to do on your to-do list. So stay on top of everything, but also remember that taking a break isn't something you should punish yourself over. It's something that will only ultimately help you. And please, God, take your vacation days. Because there is a problem in America where we have very few vacation days to begin with, and we don't take them regardless. And we're not being more productive because of it. We're actually being less productive because we're hating what we're doing. So if we take that break, if you take that time, if you take a little breath and close your eyes, and think about something else for just a second or for two weeks, I don't know, it's going to help you in the long run. So don't feel guilty. Just go on Facebook. <laughs> I love that. And also because you love what you do so much, that's the hardest part, I think, to let go of what you're doing when you really love it. So I was actually talking to one of my friends yesterday, and we were working together, and we looked at the clock, and it was 8 p.m., and we didn't know how on earth it went by that fast. And we were like, this is great, but this is also bad. Like, it's great. It's because we're doing what we love, but it's also bad because we don't know where time went. So <laughs> I think it's also important in that regard to separate your business from your pleasure. So like one of my favorite activities is writing, but there's business writing and there's also pleasure writing. And sometimes they intersect on both ends. But uh, it's kind of like taking taking that break. I think when I get home, my rule of thumb is unless I, I can't is 
put the computer away, stop staring at a screen, just focus on something that isn't a screen. Because, I mean, realistically, I wake up in the morning, I look at my phone, I get on the train, I look at my phone, I go on the computer, I look at my phone, I get home, I look at my phone, I'm looking at my TV, I'm on my computer, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? It's all screens all day, my eyes are killing me. I now play board games a lot, so that's weird. Yeah, I'm like an, I mean, I'm 29 years old, but I'm, you know, I'm an absolute grandma, and I've always been, which is fantastic. I think it's just kind of understanding where that, where to draw that line, and even for your own self, because if you fall asleep doing work and then you wake up doing work, you're only going to get yourself tired out. So if it's something you love, keep doing it, but also recognize your own limitations and then watch some really bad television or play some really weird game or just walk outside. I've been loving to take little strolls these days because it's such beautiful weather outside. Finding just just where that line ends. I have a friend who has no idea where that line is and what we bought him was a clock out, a clock out clock so that every night when he's done working, because he works largely from working from home and working from home could be quite difficult to figure out when you're stopping working because you're not like I take a subway home from you know I go work and I take a subway home to home and I have that kind of barrier but if you work at home that barrier doesn't exist so we got him a little timeout so he times out and he's not allowed to do workout after that so for that he creates this own little okay this is work is done and this is when yeah this is when you can actually take time for yourself you know when you get on the airplane they say put the mask on yourself before putting it on the person next to you because you need to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else because if you're not taking care of yourself you're taking care of other people you're probably taking care of them poorly. A lot of us stop doing self-care and that's one of the most important things because even if you're doing something that you enjoy but you're so stressed out, it's not going to help you in the long run and you become even more stressed out and then it just becomes worse and then you can't do the job that you really want to do and the passions. Achieving your goals and your dreams is really hard obviously for everyone and we're trying to achieve that but what do you do in order to relieve yourself from anxiety and stress when you are faced with them. You know, I think it's so interesting too, especially like in an interview like this where you say like, well, you've already accomplished so much and you go, and you kind of start to think, did I? And I think it's really easy to look at other people that you view as more successful as you as viewing themselves as successful. But the thing is, everybody is struggling within their own life to achieve what they believe is their own success. And just because they seem successful to you doesn't mean they seem successful to themselves. So like every day I'm like, I have new goals to work on. I have so much more to achieve. And that kind of anxiety will build on you because you don't even sit back and, and think, what have I already achieved? So even for people who are looking at other people and, and, and comparing themselves and saying, like, I have done nothing yet, you know, like this person's done this by this age. And just know that that person is saying that about somebody else and that they're not recognizing what they've done themselves. So I think that if you're building all this anxiety about what you haven't done, think about what you actually have done and recognize and appreciate yourself because you got to this far. And the fact that you have anxiety about being better already tells me that you have the drive and desire to be more. So don't worry about the process so much as recognizing where you are in it and how much more you have left to go because nobody's ever done. Like, I'm not going to quit tomorrow and say I'm done. I have so much left to do. And if you tell me I'm successful, I'm like, thank you. That's so nice. But do I feel it? Not necessarily. I have so much more I want to accomplish. So if you're anxious, recognize that means you have a will to, to, to win to, and channel that anxiety 
into introspection and think about, even write it down. What have I done? And what do I, I want to do? And where am I to get that? And like, how far along am I to getting that done? And what can I do to get that done? For me, I'm both a lover and a hater of checklists because I have to get a crap, to, a crap ton done, but I also have, they range across so many different, you know, it's it just keeping a checklist is almost confusing, but crossing them off is so fulfilling at the same time because once you've, you had 25 items in your to-do list and they're all crossed off, you feel intense sense of relief. Look at what you have done and then think about what you can do, but don't be bad. Don't be hard on yourself about it because everyone started where you are. And just because someone seems like they're living the best life, remember that Instagram has filters and everybody's struggling in their own right to be a little bit better every day. I love that mentality, Caitlin, because like you said, we will look at you and what you have accomplished already and we will compare ourselves. We all do, especially now in this social media age and it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. We don't know what's going on on the inside. So it's not always happy. It's not always perfect. And if you want to live the life you really want, it's a lot of struggle, but it's really, like you said, it's the journey that gets you there and the passion that you have for it and what you're doing. That first step is really a huge one on itself. Let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. Uh, what legacy do you want to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? So I think it's a really interesting question, specifically because so much of what I used to imagine about my legacy would be what people remembered before. But I think as kind of time trucks onward, I think less about what people are going to remember me for and more about what I want to remember at that age. I think a lot of what I used to be concerned about was how I was perceived and how I would be remembered. But now I think about... If I go travel to a random city in a, that no one's ever heard of and my post only gets 100 likes and it's a memory that I have but no one else has, that's something really beautiful about that too. So I think for me, when I'm a, a beautiful 79 and, and 50 years from now, just stunning, I can't believe I look like that, um, <laughs> I, I want to feel fulfilled or feel like I don't have any regrets or anything to look back on and think what could have been. So, of course, I would love to, to write, to to have friends and loved ones in my life who remember me in many different ways. But I think enjoying life and making myself feel like I've lived the most of it, I've lived deep and sucked the marrow, um, will make me feel good enough to die or to live for 40 more years after that because medical science will probably... I'll be about 250 before I go. Um, but, uh, yeah, just to, to make sure that at the end of the day I don't sit down and think what could have been because I don't want to live or regret, live, live my life by regrets or with regrets. So I want to write, I want to leave a memory, but mostly I want to have memories and I want to spread that to the people I care about most rather than the entire world. That is such a beautiful legacy to leave. And I think it's so easy to think 50 years from now is so long. But remember, we talked about from your beginning to leaving here at 19 and now at 21, that's 10 years. And it's so fast. Sometimes I don't even know where yesterday was. I don't know how I got here today. And every single thing we do every day will lead us to what the future our, our future selves will be and it's so incredible even the little things the little actions that you do to take a step forward to what it is that you really want to do is big we don't think about it in that sense because it's like we compare it to only one day and 10 years from now but it all leads us to that day 50 years from now and I can definitely see you having all of this legacy and you already do 
Hello. <laughs> so it's just going to go up from there. Let's get to some fun questions. <laughs> some people like myself, I nerd out on hiking and um, interviewing inspiring people like you. I'm really bad with cheesy like 80s movies. Um, <laughs> what about you? What are you nerding out on? I nerd. I nerd pretty hard. So I'm really into space. I really love astronomy. I love the study of stars. I also just love stars in general, especially when you're traveling to places. Grew up in New York City where there are about three stars in the sky. If you, if you like squint really hard, seeing the stars while traveling, but also in the southern hemisphere and looking at a different set of stars than I've ever seen in my entire life and thinking, are we upside down right now or are we right side up? We, we don't know. So that makes me nerdy. I also nerd out on really terrible British reality television. <laughs> So they had the original X on the beach, uh, as well as Love Island. I love terrible reality television with British accents. It makes it all the better. Um, and also, I'd say Latin American literature, magical realism, anything to do with Borges or Cortázar. So space, Latin American literature, and British reality television. Those are really great things to nerd out on. Oh my gosh, that's so hilarious. And, and okay, so Caitlin is a New Yorker. She's born and bred here. And she was talking about how her family was here when it was the swamp in the Bronx. And so, yes, I totally agree with you. There are no stars where we live. You do really have to squint. If you were given a one-minute ad slot in the Super Bowl and you can't sell it, would the potential to reach millions with that ad that you're going to do, what would you fill it with? Such an interesting question. Um, specifically because I, I've been thinking about it and I'm like, would it just be a minute of me singing, dancing, so everyone would know who I am? Um, I think, and this could be a shameless plug, but I would love to promote uh, the Elite Dailies out of here for a full minute. I think we have 45 different travel guides from 45 different women who are traveling to six different continents all across the world and them explaining how to travel, how to have fun while traveling, how to save money while traveling. Every single from start to finish about tra traveling and making it accessible to the everyday person who thinks, I can't travel, but now might see something like this and feel like they can travel because the Super Bowl would have a huge audience. And obviously, besides getting in in incredible traffic to the, to the site, it would also, I think, provide a lot more people with the, even the kernel of an idea that they can. And I think when I was younger, I mean, like I didn't grow up in a terribly wealthy family. I didn't grow up where travel was just ex expected. It was something that you kind of had to work for and earn and like save up money for a flight and, and your hotels and things like that. And it, it was so hard. And now I look at like how easy it can be and how accessible and how how I can go and stay somewhere. One of the girls in our travel guide stayed in Berlin for a week for no money at all on a couch surfing. And you think like, this is possible. This is something that anyone can do. And if we can tell one young person or even one old person, any aged person, that this is something that's available to them, something that they can afford, that they can live and breathe, like that would be enough for me to feel f fulfilled with my, what I'm sure is like a $4 billion ad space on that Super Bowl because traveling is such a big pa like passion for me. And I just, everything important in my life that I ever really learned about myself or other people has come from traveling. And that sounds hokey or corny, but it's also true. It's like you see the best and worst of people when you travel with them and you experience 
cultures in their actual place. In New York, we were very lucky to grow up in a very diverse landscape where you see a lot of cultures, but it's so interesting to see cultures in the cities and, and countries that they actually were, you know, built in and recognizing that your culture comes second in that place because as Americans, I think we're always, our culture's a little bit first. When you go to a different country and you don't know how to speak a language, it's so humbling. If I can get people to travel, that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> you have to see Caitlin's face. She has so much passion with this stuff. Like her eyes are lighting up. I know uh, this podcast is about digital nomads and Caitlin is technically not a digital nomad, but she does hire digital nomads. Caitlin, one of the questions I know a lot of people want to know is how can they be featured or how can they be a writer for Bustle, for Elite Daily, for Romper? What tips would you give to somebody who wants to be in any of the space that you have right now? Particularly the way that Bustle and Elite Daily have structured uh, the company is really conducive to having digital nomads working. And we do have several people who are uh, part-time on staff who are working remotely from all over the world, which is quite... And, and they're travel writers, which makes a lot of sense, right? Many different ways you can write. Um, you can write one-offs. You can write continually. We have part-time positions where you can apply for and then you pitch to an editor and you write fairly regularly. Or you, we have freelance positions where you could pitch to an editor about one story about a place you are, about somewhere you're traveling to. Both positions are paid, which are fantastic, right? But uh, it also depends on what capa capacity you want to contribute. I think the biggest thing I can say is cold e emailing is great, but if you are going to reach out to somebody, reach out to somebody with an idea. So I think a lot of what we get is, is interest in writing, but not something concrete to work with. And so if you say like, hey, I'm living abroad right now, and I have this incredible angle about dating here, and you come at it with a solid pitch, which could look like a headline and two to three sentences describing it, you're so much ahead of the curve for somebody else who's like, hey, I'm interested in writing. Do you have any writing positions open? So like presenting yourself, obviously, in a way where you make yourself interesting. I think talking about being a digital nomad would be really interesting, especially to us who are looking for people who are writing in, in different cultures and also about different things. Um, but also coming at it with an idea um, and coming at it with a specific enough idea that doesn't sound like every other article you've read on the internet. So if you're doing yourself a favor, if you say, like, I want to pitch 20, thing, 20 places you should travel before you're 20, look to see if it's been written before, because it has, and figure out how can I tweak that to be a little bit more specific or a little bit more personal or a little bit more interesting to an audience who's heard all the general and now actually wants some meat. I mean, there's a lot of sites on the internet who are going to give you listicles about things, but what can you provide to that site that will not only add to its voice, but also make for a unique article that people actually want to click on and read? So if you have an idea about travel or an idea about anything, really, send pitches, send specific ones, and explain yourself. Give a little background for yourself. The more we have, the more we have to work with. I think sometimes I get a lot of one-off email sentences and I'm like, thank you, but I don't know how compelling this is to answer. I'd say that most everyone is reading their emails. They're not deleting. So if you can get yourself a little captivating subject line and a concise enough idea of what you want to write about, you're miles ahead of everybody else or kilometers depending on where you are. So Caitlin just gave you all a huge tip. 
because she's the editor at large. <laughs> what is the most unusual job that you have ever had and what was the best thing that you've learned from it? It's kind of funny. Um, I, I worked at a pizza place when I was in Ireland. I mean, pizza wouldn't be typically Irish at all. Uh, I also worked at Abercrombie. That's not that interesting, though, is it? But the one on Fifth Avenue, so they sprayed perfume from the speakers. It actually, the fierce perfume came from the speakers. Uh, so I worked at the pizza place. I've volunteered at the Botanical Gardens, <laughs> the Bronx Botanical Gardens, uh, with ch at a children's garden, so doing that. I think I've held mostly odd jobs, but I was very lucky after graduating from my master's. Two months after I graduated, I had my job at Elite Daily. Working at a pizza place in Dublin was kind of weird, just because who would think of being Italian food in, in Ireland? And a, but it did, did teach me more about Dublin geography than I know even New York geography. So I can get you around Dublin far better than I can get you around you know, New York. Having traveled to so many different places, what has been the most life-changing and altering meeting with a person that has ever happened to you? I was really lucky to do my undergrad in Paris because 33% of the university was French, 33% of the university was American, and 33% of the university was just from everywhere else. So I was learning with people from everywhere. And I was sitting in a classroom learning about the Cold War with somebody from Russia. And, you know, you sit in an American classroom, it's like, Russians are bad, you know? And then you see, like, from the other side, they're like, uh, actually, America, you did this. And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. So learning from different perspectives and points of view. But I do think uh, when I graduated from France, my mother came to visit me. And my mother does genealogy. And she's uh, been studying our family tree. She has this trace back every line. I'd say, like, every matrilineal, patrilineal, godparent, god godparent, godfather on every side of us, all the way back till the first census records that are available. So we have, we've learned about an incredible amount of people that are in our family that we obviously wouldn't have known. So after I graduated, my mother decided to take us on a genealogical road trip. And we traveled with, through France, Switzerland, and Italy. Uh, my mother is mostly, her family mostly comes from Italy. And uh, we met cousin after cousin of ran random people. And you would never, I'm like, oh, hello, 65th, you know, 64 times removed cousin. But also having them be so excited to have us there. So just meeting this wildly distant family that was has had nothing in common with us because they're from you know the sticks of the sticks of Genoa or like right outside of, of, of Naples and Avellino and you're just kind of like these are people that I should never have met but my mother has done enough research to have me meet and it's incredible because now I have all of these contacts in weird places that anytime I travel I'm like hey do you guys have a spare bed and they're like of course family's family and you know you're like distant family but still amazing so I think like having met all of this all of this family and I've as also I mean like I grew up in a, a very tight-knit family. And also your mom has a really great thing to nerd out on. My mother is a genealogy nerd. She loves it. She loves Ancestry.com. She got me one of those, you know, DNA testing kits for Christmas and I was like, are you trying to tell me something? And I looked at my father and he said, don't look at me. Don't look at me, you know? And I was like, okay, so this is about our genealogy, not whether or not I'm your child. So that's good, at least. I was like, I look a lot like you, so this would be really awkward. What are you currently working on that's really exciting to you? Aside from the amazing issues that we're putting out across. I think right now, like, my biggest project is writing. My favorite thing in the world, as I've mentioned a few times, have I, have I mentioned it? Was it, was it travel? That I would love to write travel memoirs, but not in the typical I am eat, pray, love type way where it's like I went and discovered myself, but actually, like, the nitty-gritty of it where it's not always fun, not always nice, but you'd learn a lot and what it's like to date in different places, what it's like to use Tinder in France. You're like, oh, qu'est-ce que, qu'est-ce que de vous? You know, and you're just, uh, I mean, just like every element of actually being 
being a youthful traveling in, a, in an age where there's technology. Because my relationship specifically would never have worked if I couldn't Skype my boyfriend every day. If we had to write letters across the ocean, like, would I still be with somebody if I had to wait three weeks for a reply? You know, it's just, it's, it's pretty crazy. All the opportunities I have been afforded and being able to share them or write them down, even if it never went anywhere for my own self for when I'm 79 years old, it just really gives me all, all of the happiness in the world. So if our listeners want to know more about you and what you do, where can they find you? You can find me on any of my social media. Uh, Caitlin Cauley. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as KCalls. Uh, you can also go to EliteDaily.com, Bustle.com, or Romper.com and look at any of the issues that we're publishing, which are fantastic. And other than that, I mean, I guess you could add me on as a friend on Facebook, but I don't know how if I'm going to accept that. It's, uh, it's kind of weird. It's too personal, is it? Okay. So Instagram and Twitter work. I'm usually, every once in a while, you can see me on the Elite Daily or Bustle Instagram takeovers. So follow them, Bustle and Romper and Elite Daily on all social media channels. We will. We'll follow all of them. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for joining me here today in this beautiful little cafe. This is really Instagrammable, all pink, really lovely. But thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate all the knowledge that you gave us. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Caitlin. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Caitlin where she shares how travel can become more accessible. Hey, Offbeat family, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.